Welcome to the Upper Room Podcast. Thank you so much for stopping by. I'm Pastor Carl McLaughlin from Calvary Pentecostal Church in Euless, Texas. We're located in Dallas-Fort Worth, where 8 million call DFW home. Whether you're tuning in to Sunday or Wednesday's message, we pray that you will find words of encouragement. It is our mission to provide a positive and encouraging voice in the midst of uncertainty. I pray that you will be blessed by today's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Upper Room Podcast. We are so happy you're here. This Sunday, we heard from Pastor McLaughlin as he preached the message titled, Walking in Your Anointing. The purpose of the anointing is not for prosperity or for popularity, but for unity and breaking through spiritual strongholds. This episode is incredibly powerful, and we hope you are encouraged. He's a God that never fails us. He's a God that will always come through. He's a God that will not exempt us from things that we need to go through. In fact, I have attempted twice to preach to you about walking in your anointing. And as you know, the last two Sundays, the result of that has been immediate, immediate vertical intrusion of the Holy Ghost that has just blown the thing up. And, and last Sunday, as we began, the anointing of God came in here in such a, a miraculous and significant fashion that we had one receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, four baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And they're here today. They're here today. Malachi, Megan, Emerlyn, good to see you. We need to give God praise. We need to give the Lord praise today. Can we clap our hands and give God praise for everything that he's done? Hallelujah. Somebody's gonna get the Holy Ghost today. The anointing of God is flowing through the church. That's what's happening. That's what's happening. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. And so we, we understand while you're standing, if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of John chapter 17 and then Luke chapter 4 verse 18. And I, and I will be a bit ahead of myself. However, um, sometimes redundancy and repetition is extremely helpful. Um, because it, it lodges within our minds. And there are things that the Lord certainly wants lodged in our mind and in our spirit. And in this subject of the anointing of God, I don't know that we can ever truly describe it definitively, exhaustively, and completely. And I personally think that it's because of the ongoing nature of the anointing of God and there are things unforeseen in the future that the anointing of God that comes on our lives, I, I, I believe there's the reception of the anointing, there's the process of anointing and there are certain outcomes of the anointing. And you don't know the outcomes of the anointing until you go through the process. And so the anointing of God is not some magical touch from God that lifts us up into this suspended arena of space and exempts us from all, from the wilderness. Doesn't exempt us from the water um, that always represents trouble, but it also represents potential out of the trouble. The anointing of God does not exempt us from the mountain experience, nor does the anointing of God exempt us from the cave seasons of our life. And these four areas are the four areas of leadership grounding. And a leader has not truly received, processed, and had distinct outcomes of the anointing until one goes through one of these four groundings or sometimes all four groundings at one time. Each are distinct in the way that when God takes you through these, there's a certain type of anointing that comes on you to accomplish certain assignments from the Lord. This is true in an individual's life, but this is also true in a church life. And so there are seasons. There are seasons that a church will go through. Sometimes we together as a church will go through this, this tumultuous 
water season where it's almost like we're Jonah in the water and we're submerged by things. And yet there's always Nineveh that's waiting to receive the anointing that comes into our lives as a result of the water. Because the water is not there to destroy us. The water is there to develop us, to pull the anointed potential out of us so that we land on the shores of Nineveh. Those demonic spirits can't handle the anointing of God that is on the man of God. And instead of the, the Nineveh, the spirit of Nineveh destroying the man, the man of God who's anointed brings a revival to that place. Not without a fight. Not without a fight, but you just got to make up your mind, I'll die for revival. I'll die in the middle of having revival in the church. And so we need to clap our hands. And if you're going through a, a time where you're being submerged and plunged underneath, it could be that God is extracting potential out of you. And so it's this potential that God wants to then join together with people in the church. And, and so I want to talk a little bit about this anointing today, walking in your anointing. And while you're turning to John chapter 17 and Luke chapter 4 verse 18, please let me take just one moment and say to Eric, Kelly, Allie, oh my Lord have mercy. Paul, Paul, of course Paul's not here. He's pastoring. He's an anointed man of God. He's got to pastor a church. But the family is here. And it is so good to see you guys. Oh my. Enjoyed worshiping and praying together with Brother Eric here at the altar. And miss these folks so much and so very proud of Allie and Paul Records and what they're doing in San Marcos and beyond. Beyond the borders of San Marcos and everything that's being accomplished through their life and ministry. Uh, we tip our hat to you, Allie. We know y'all are fighting the good fight of faith and we're so proud of you. Thank you for doing the work of God. Amen. Amen. And then to our, our two Aggies, Bryn Man, Carly, I think they've come home. I know Bryn Man's here for the weekend. Is Carly here? They're, Carly, good to see both of you. You know, hey, we'll get real used to y'all coming back this frequently. I absolutely love it. So just keep coming back at least this. And can I get an amen from the moms and dads? And the siblings. Yes, you better. You, hey, hey, you better. You better. That's your sis. <laughs> I'm going to read. I'm going to read two scriptures to you. And then I want to talk to you for a little bit from my heart, <clears throat> walking in your anointing. John chapter 17, verse 18. This is Jesus Christ in his human role, speaking to the Father. Not because there are two distinct individuals with two personhoods. There's one person in multiple roles. Not just three, but primarily three. So this is the human side of Jesus as a man. And he says, as thou hast sent me into the world, as thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I sent them, that's the church, even so also have I sent them into the church. So if you ever want to know how you're sent into this world to accomplish the will of God, study the life of Jesus, everything that he did, because he makes a, he makes a declarative statement here. As you have sent me, even so, this same way, to this same measure in the ministry, do I send them into the world. To find a little bit more description to that, let's read Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19. The Spirit of the Lord, this is Jesus, <clears throat> the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. There are at least six things mentioned here that we can begin saying, okay, Lord, you've sent me just as you were sent. Let me accomplish what you accomplished on earth. We can't do that alone, ladies and gentlemen. We've got to have the anointing of God. We've got to walk, <clears throat> we've got to walk in that anointing. And so would you help me pray today as we go into the word of the Lord? I love you, Lord, and I pray for your hand today. Perfect will. I'm giving you honor. And everyone said in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for being here, and thank you for standing in honor of the word. You may be seated. 
God, God does not anoint without sending whom he anoints with a divine purpose. A sent ministry is not a random wandering ministry. A sent ministry has its moorings and its groundings in the sender. We cannot function independently on our own. Everything that we do must be in align, alignment with and accountable to the sender. That means, as Jesus said when he was speaking as a man, my doctrine is not my own, but his that sent me. So even in Jesus' human role, as one who was sent, but he was also the sender, as one who was sent, he did not have the power to change doctrine. We find in the book of Revelation, during the tribulation period, um, that, that there's going to be an everlasting gospel. I believe it's in Revelation chapter 11. We see that there are two witnesses. Now, 144,000 will have responsibility in propagating the gospel in the tribulation period, but also the two witnesses of Revelation chapter 11 will have the key responsibility for propagating the gospel. So then we would ask the question, well, what is that gospel? Is there any other gospel outside of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ that culminates in one message, and that one message is Acts chapter 2, verse 38. If you think that there's ever going to be another message outside of Acts 2, 38, there will not be. That is the everlasting gospel that points us back. That's the only way to get saved. People in the tribulation period who are sinners, the only way to be saved is to repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. You and I do not have the authority to ever, 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 ever change that message. If you ever hear of anybody changing that message, they are not in the will of God. They are out of the will of God. They are out of the Bible. And they do not have authority to change that. Get away from them as fast as you can. Run from them as fast as you can. They are not apostolic. They are apostate. Can I get a witness in this house right now? I'm just telling you, hero Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And if we are sent into this world, we have our moorings. We are attached to, we are rooted in the doctrine of the sender. And that doctrine does not change. A sent ministry has its grounding in the invisible before it's ever fleshed out. The incarnation of Jesus Christ was the invisible becoming visible. So the anointed could be fleshed out and provide an example of anointed outcomes or what would come out of an anointed ministry. In his human role, he states, as we read together, as you have sent me, even so have I sent them into the world. So what was to come out of his anointing? And then I would say, as I've already stated, there is the reception of an anointing. There is a process of the anointing. And then there are tangible results of an anointed life. In the field of education, you would have a process, you would have assignments, you would have measurements, but you would want to know what are the outcomes going to be. We need something to come out of. And so the consummate leader and educator, God who became flesh, said there are going to be tangible outcomes to the way that I educate the church. And I want you to watch the way that I educate you. Because when I start preaching the gospel, the poor are not going to be poor anymore. Amen. I'm just telling you right now, if we'll do what he did, we're going to get what he got. Amen. If we will align ourselves, can you help me just a little bit more? My throat's bothering me. If we will align ourselves to the gospel, if we will align ourselves to the doctrine, we're going to have some outcomes. Can I just tell you right now, the outcomes are for getting baptized last Sunday, Balakai receiving the Holy Ghost. The outcomes are the healings that started flowing in the church already. The outcomes are somebody's going to get the Holy Ghost today. You say, why? Because you said it? No, not because I said it. The Bible says it. And if we'll do what the Bible said, there are going to be tangible results. Need some more. In Luke chapter 4, in Luke chapter 4, 
<clears throat> the poor. You say, okay, Brother McLaughlin, what does this mean? What, what does it mean that he will preach the gospel to the poor and that he will heal the brokenhearted? In Luke chapter 4, considering the historical cultural setting of that passage, the poor represented the social or represented social discrimination based upon economic status. Let me say it again. So when we read that, and when you're daily Bible reading, when you're going through the book of Luke chapter 4, and you come to verse 18, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. What did that mean? The poor in that culture and in history meant that there was social discrimination based on economic status or one's economic status. And the anointing on Jesus was about to blow up that discrimination in the church. What they did, Jesus was saying that I am going to flesh out some things and I'll flesh it out socially and I will flesh it out politically that are going to be absolutely mind-blowing. And when he made this statement to you and I as Westerners, predominantly as Westerners, and if you're not, at least you're, being, uh, you're living in, in Western civilization right now, what Jesus was saying, and the Sadducees were there, and they heard him. And for history, years of history, the Sadducees were considered the social aristocrats. And they were also in control of the temple. And in fact, when you hear about him walking in and say, you know, you're the money changers and, and my house should be called a house of prayer. But you have made it a den of thieves. Primarily, he was talking to the Sadducees because they would stand at the table and they would handle all of the animal sacrifices and they were exchanging money and they were pocketing money. There was excess and extortion and they were pocketing money off of the Gentiles because the Gentiles were poor. And, and the furthest the Gentiles could go was to the outer court. They could never go into the inside court and could never truly one-on-one -on -one experience the Shekinah glory of God. They had to stay outside of the church because they were not socially accepted among the Jews and they did not have the money to eat even get in. Jesus said, God have mercy. You need to come to church and help me a little bit right now. Jesus said, look, I don't like your discrimination. He said, he looked square in the eyes of the Sadducees and he, he turned tables over and he said, the way you've been conducting church, we're going to stop that and I'm going to blow your mind with people that are about to walk through the doors of the church. <laughs> Woo! When you walk in the anointing of God, God will, you will turn tables over of religious orthodoxy that produces discrimination in the church. And you will not allow social discrimination. You will not allow racial discrimination. You will not allow economic discrimination. You'll make sure. You'll make sure that the apostolic church, the Pentecostal church, is not discriminatory based on what you look like, your color, your money, what's in your bank account or what's not in your bank account. I don't care if you have a penny, a $5 bill, or a $100 bill in your pocket. We all worship together. I said we all worship together. The blood broke the lines of discrimination. Can we clap our hands and give God praise? When you're anointed, you will not have a, discrimina a discriminatory bone in your body. And if you do, you are not anointed by God to promote that kind of attitude and spirit. This is what he meant. This is what was meant. And this is why they had the court of the Gentiles on the outside. But this is why the Gentiles are in the church. And, and by the way, just FYI, you're a Gentile. That would have been you outside the church. Don't think you've got some superiority that you would have been right next to the Shekinah glory of God. Ah, uh-uh, you and I were the Gentiles on the outside of the church. We better thank God that he brought the gospel to us and broke down. We wouldn't even be in the church if it wouldn't have been for the anointing on Jesus Christ. We wouldn't even be saved right now. It would only be exclusively for the Jews. Thank God for the blood. Thank God for the blood. Woo! I'm just telling you, some of you that were drug addicts, some of you that lived in the hell house, some of you that were lost and undone, you wouldn't have been permitted in the church. But when Jesus came, he said, I want the drug addict, I want the meth head, I want the crackhead. 
I want the blue collar worker, I want the white collar worker, I want the black, the red, the yellow, the white. I have, through my blood, I brought you together. And don't try to divide what God brought together. It's the anointing of God that you and I must walk in. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Not only did Jesus emphasize this, but Paul reinforced it. Only 20 to 25 years later, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, when he said, and there was major warring going on in the church because the Jews did not want the Gentiles there. They still wanted them in the outside court. And so Paul levels the boom on them. And he said, for by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Americans. Because they're Gentiles. Can I get some help right now? Whether they're Jews or Salvadorians. And by the way, one of my highlights this past week was Salvadorian tamales and quesadillas. And until you've had a Salvadorian quesadilla, you don't even know what quesadillas are. Can I get a witness to my Salvadorian friends? Huh? Is that right, Vanessa? <laughs> For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, bond or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. I pray that the apostolic church could rise in the face of political upheaval today in America and in the world. I pray that Calvary Pentecostal Church could take a stand and reaffirm the stand and emphasize the stand against social and political discrimination and just shout out. For by one spirit, and if we could all get baptized by that one spirit, the unrest in culture, the civil unrest, the political unrest, the social unrest would come to a screeching halt. That's why they don't want the church in politics. That's why they don't want the church in the secular education system. At least not on a general level, but perhaps, and this is, this is powerful, but, but perhaps on the school teacher level. Because every teacher brings a hidden curricula into the classroom. And so let me just tell you something. There could never be a more powerful moment. If you're an apostolic and you're a public educator, there could never be a more powerful moment, Shrana, that when we as living epistles are read and known of all men and children, that means students in the public school system, that you don't have to even carry this in. You carry yourself in. And you walk in your anointing. And they're going to see something. Maybe not when there's no trial in their life, but when there's a trial in their life and they see the peace of God on you and they see the comfort of God on you and they look at you and say, there's something different about you, Sister Rachel. They may not say Sister Rachel, but they may say, Mrs. Creel. And at that moment, it's a living epistle that shouts out, I am a Christian. And you don't even have to say it. You live it out. That means you got to put a smile on that face. That means you start in church. If you're not smiling here, it's going to be hard for you to smile out there. But if you get a Holy Ghost smile in here. I didn't say a hypocrite smile. I didn't say a fake smile. I said a Holy Ghost smile. The anointing of God will put a Holy Ghost smile on your face. And when you walk into work, and when you walk into school, and when you walk into that classroom, they see a distinct difference. Can we clap our hands and give the Lord praise? <laughs> Before Moses visibly anointed Aaron and his sons, God invisibly anointed them to lead. The result of their leadership was not an invitation to preach a conference. It was not a position to attain. It was not popularity to achieve. And it certainly was not money to gain. When he anointed them invisibly and then Moses and Aaron anointed them visibly. The purpose of that and the result of their leadership was to point to the Shekinah glory of God that was in the temple. 
Exodus 40, 34 said, Then a cloud covered the tent of the congregation, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of the congregation because the cloud abode thereon. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And when the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the children of Israel went onward in all of their journeys. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they journeyed not till the day that it was taken up. Moses and Aaron were highly anointed leaders, but they did not use the anointing to abuse the anointing and manipulate it to make a name for themselves. They pointed to the glory cloud of Almighty God. There is, please hear me today, if you're in any kind of visible public leadership or any kind of anointing that's on your life, there is a degree of success that comes with the anointing. We must never believe that we own the anointing. We must never try to convince ourselves it's to make me successful. It's to give me popularity. It's to help me make money. It's to give me a big name. If that's what you're in the anointing for, please get out right now before you get destroyed. Because somewhere you're going to get disillusioned. Somewhere you're going to be confused. Somebody's going to be more anointed than you. Somebody's going to sing better than you. Somebody's going to preach better than you. Somebody's going to play an instrument better than you. Somebody's going to teach a Sunday school class better than you. And when you realize your anointing is to yoke up with another person and you're there together to destroy the yokes of the enemy, then you're not jealous of them. Then you're not going to try to detract from them. Can I get a witness in this house? When we walk in the anointing, we are complementary with one another and not in competition with each other. <clears throat> and we always, always point to the glory cloud. An anointed ministry refuses to get ahead of the glory cloud. And those anointed understand that waiting on God is faster and safer than moving prematurely and living outside of the will of God because you failed to wait on Him. May I say it again, especially to the younger among us today who are highly anointed of God. Waiting is always faster than forcing the hand of God and moving prematurely. Because what would take you one year when you're waiting would take you 15 years when you try to force the hand of God and step outside of the will of God. Because now you're trying to work off of your own intellect. Now you're trying to work off of your talent. And if we don't have a discernment in the church, we will think talent is anointing. It's not. It sounds good, but no yokes are being broken. It sounds good, but nobody that's addicted is being set free from drugs. When we're anointed, we stay in and under alignment and we're willing to wait two years. And that two years, when you step into the anointing, can accelerate your ministry like 15 years. Let God's hand rest on you. Don't step outside of His will. When you're anointed, waiting is faster. And shortcuts are longer. Trust God and trust His anointing on your life. If you're anointed, he will take care of you. He'll bring the people in your life that he needs to bring to accomplish his will. It's never your will, it's his will. It's his vision before it's your vision. It's his dream before it's your dream. We're always in subordinate leadership by virtue of creation. Mankind is always subordinate to the headship of Jesus Christ. Creation instituted that. There's no way around that. Consequently, secular world is fighting against authority because we don't like to be subordinate to anyone, especially in the American culture right now. We want to fight against all authority. Why is that? That is a fundamental problem. That's a disorder. That's a, a, a creative disorder. Amen. God created us, and when he did, he crowned man with his glory, according to Psalm 19. But the reality is that even in all of the glory of mankind, we are still subordinate to the headship of Jesus Christ. What I'm trying to say best is, or what I'm trying to say is you are at your best when you're under the headship of Jesus Christ. The church is best, not when we try to be a Messiah, but when we submit to the Messiah and let the Messiah take over a church service. Let the Messiah work in the church and let him work the miracle. It takes the pressure off of you. You don't have to make anything happen. All you've got to do is walk in the anointing. 
Just walk in the anointing. And if God wants to bring it to pass, God will bring it to pass. We just need to be in the right place at the right time for the right reason with the right motives. To be sent denotes progression. A sent ministry has its grounding in the sender. To be sent denotes progression, moving forward, growing into what God has ordained. Like David, God will anoint you before the people anoint you. In fact, when God anoints you, God will always attach a vision to you, and you need to know that there are four stages to every vision. There's the forming, the storming, the norming, and then the transforming. God's anointing on you will automatically give a vision into your spirit. The anointing of God will deeply speak into your spirit, and you'll start seeing things you've never seen before. You'll see it. And then all of a sudden, when you speak it and you go public with it and you talk about it, much like Joseph in his dream, when he started talking about his anointed dream to his brothers, man, they, they just got around a circle and started singing Kumbaya to him and, hey, man, let's celebrate and your dream's going to come true. No, they did not. What did they do? They stormed against the dream. Did that mean the dream was going to stop? Absolutely not. It just meant that they were going to get out of the way so that the dream could now be normalized. And you've gotta, you can't throw in the towel. When you're anointed by God and people begin to storm against your vision, your dream, and your aspirations, you cannot quit right there. Amen. When it's truly from God, you're going to stay right there. If you're the only one in the middle of that, you're going to hold on to that coat of many colors and say, God, you promised me, and I'm going to stick out the storm. I'm not going to throw in a towel right now because you're going to change it, and all of a sudden, it's going to become normal. There may be some people that go, some people that come. Some people are going to attack your vision. Other people are going to embrace your vision. You've got to make up your mind. It's from God and I am not going to be dead. I am not going to change. I'm going to stay on course. And God is going to bring the resources. God will bring the people. God will bring everything that you need to accomplish your vision. Let them storm all they want to storm. I'm going to say something right here. I'm going to say something right here. When they storm, and they will, some will, don't become cynical toward them. Become loving toward them. And give your vision a long enough time frame for all of a sudden it to be normalized. Not just normalized, but all of a sudden lives start transforming by virtue of your vision. And those people that attacked it and stormed against it will sit on the sidelines and they're going to be observers. And they're going to watch your vision. They're going to see, my God, I didn't, I didn't stop the church. I didn't stop the, the ministry. I didn't stop their anointing. I didn't stop them from preaching. I didn't stop them from writing songs. I didn't stop them from this. I didn't stop. And all of a sudden, be careful. Don't, don't turn them into an enemy. Don't turn them into an enemy. Love them and be patient with them. Because it may be that God changed. Look, if God could change Nebuchadnezzar's heart, if God could change Pharaoh's heart, God can change their heart. So we better extend some patience and mercy because it may be that they come back all the way around and say, I want to be a part of this dream. Come on, Calvary. Don't be so short-sighted that we can't have a little bit of mercy and say, that's all right. John, Mark, and Paul may have had strife years ago, but now they're on a ministry team together because John Mark was profitable for the ministry. Patient. Be patient. They might not understand everything. They might be real jealous of you and real jealous of your vision and your dream. And things start coming to pass, and so God takes them through a massive trial to break out whatever spirit they have allowed to attach to them. And they become a broken, humble individual. And they say, I want to be part of this powerful dream and vision. At that point, with an observing eye, tests precede the triumph of your anointing. You're going to grow into it one battle at a time. Your shield needs dings in it. Your sword will get dull. And you've got to go back to the sharpening shed of prayer and the word of God. Your emotion of praise will become your devotion of praise. The difference between emotion and devotion of anointing is getting the wind absolutely knocked out of you and you keep walking and you realize when you're uh, gasping for air, uh, 
that you're just as anointed. And when you feel like you have no anointing left, anointing is not feeling. Anointing is from heaven. And you realize that that anointed, anointing is just as powerful when you've had the wind knocked out of you. And you just keep walking even though you can't breathe. You keep walking even though you are disoriented and dizzy. And when you're dizzy and disoriented and you really don't want to get in that pulpit, but you get in the pulpit anyway. You don't feel like coming to church, but you come to the house of God anyway. And you're just gasping for air and you got the air knocked out of you. And the devil says, yeah, I've got you down. I've got you right where I want you. He said, no, God has me right where he wants me. Amen. He just wants to he just wants to demonstrate that I am more powerful in my anointing than you are on your best day, hell. Come on, Calvary Pentecostal Church. You've got to make up your mind. It's more about the devotion of your anointing than it is an emotion of anointing. So get beyond your emotional feeling of anointing and get into your committed, and God is going to let you get the wind knocked out of you. And you're going to have to pick yourself back up, and you're going to have to say, all right, I am learning right now. I am an anointed man of God. You're an anointed woman of God, and it really doesn't matter how I feel right now. The anointing is going to work through me despite everything I'm going through can I tell you that's what's happening in this church right now can I tell you brother Trimmers probably had the wind knocked out of him because of the report about Nicole I've had the wind knocked out of me I didn't want to come here and preach today but I'm telling you right now in the Holy Ghost God anointed me to get in this pulpit and I made up my mind I'm going to the house of God I made up my mind I'm going to preach just like I preach every Sunday I made up my mind I'm going to walk in my anointing there's nothing that I feel right now I don't feel high emotionally right now I really don't want to in my human body I don't want to preach but I know I'm called to preach I know I'm anointed to preach I know that's my responsibility to preach to the saints of God and it's your responsibility to let the anointing come back so that there's a rhythm, a rhythm of anointing between pulpit and pew that the devil cannot stop. I said hell cannot stop the anointing that's in the church. Can somebody give him praise? Some of you that had the wind knocked out of you, you ought to be praising God right now. You ought to be giving God praise right now. one more round somebody needs to go one more round the test always precedes the victory yes yes hallelujah see that That's the devotion of anointing kicking in right now. Holy Ghost is teaching us how to worship despite our emotions. Yes. The anointing of God. The anointing of God is about higher things remaining high and lower things remaining low. When you're anointed on your worst day, you are higher in rank than the enemy. And the enemy is subject to the anointing of God on your life. May I say it again? Because I've watched too many saints of God. I've watched them go into spiritual disillusionment. I've watched the author of confusion work on their mind when they're having really, really, really bad days. Listen. When, when, when you're going through it, when the church is going through it, you know, and I understand and I get it. Man, we're being spiritually attacked. I get all of that, and I, and I do. Don't go into denial. Uh, but what you don't want to do is exaggerate the spiritual warfare and give the devil more credit than he really deserves. Do you understand that on your worst day, the Bible says that we are made to sit together in heavenly places. Lucifer, before he became Satan, son of the morning, before he became slanderer and accuser of the brethren, cast down with a third, the the, the presumed third of the angels, and, and to earth, some bound. This is what the Bible says according to the book of Jude, that there are some that are bound right now. The angels which kept not their first estate, heaven. 
have been cast down and some are bound while others are loose. So even a third that fell out didn't maintain a third that are loosed. Some of them are bound right now. What that means is that there are still two-thirds of heavenly angels against less than a third. Where does that put you? So some of you that say, oh my God, the devil's just beating me up. My God, the devil. Let me just tell you something. He doesn't have free reign on you. He has no free reign on you. He has to get permission. He has to get permission. When you are under anointing, the headship of Christ, and this is why the devil wants you to look at the tree and say, man, that fruit looks pretty good. Because the moment you start feeling deprived, well, God is so, he's got all these rules on me. I feel so deprived. God doesn't really know what he's doing. If I just eat that fruit, my eyes will be open and I'll be just like God and I can make my own rules up. That was the real issue. When their eyes were open, they knew good and evil. That just simply meant that, that now they as the consumers would become the author. And as the author, they would begin to define what's good and evil and not the author. They tried to make themselves the author when they really need to be the student sitting in the chair. And, and essentially now, humanity is battling with that from that day forward. Humanity is battling with that. You and I need to recognize that the Word of God is our authority. We do not define good and evil. God defines good and evil. And our responsibility as anointed children of God is to obey what is good and not embrace what's evil. Can I get some help? That's why the devil wants to pull you out of obedience and get you to disobey so that then he can touch you all day long. But as long as you obey, he cannot touch you. He's got to get permission from God. So even in that, has it ever dawned on you that there may be untapped potential of anointing inside of you and the only way to extract it out of you because we all get lazy? Huh? We all get lazy? That God says, you know, you're getting a little bit lazy spiritually. So I'm going to give permission to Satan, or I will give permission to a demonic spirit to touch you to the extent that it shakes you, wakes you up, and you realize on your own you're no match for hell. But when you get back to me, when you get back under my headship, greater is he that is in you. And all of a sudden, a brand new, fresh anointing comes out of you that you never had before. And you say, where's that coming from? And so like Paul, you say, Satan has buffeted me. But only by buffeting by Satan do I know that God's grace is sufficient for me. Just walk in your anointing and you will learn brand new aspects of God's anointing. You working with me? On your worst day, you're higher in rank. And this is why the prince of Persia could not defeat Daniel in Daniel chapter 10. Daniel was flat on his face and he was praying. And, and Calvary Espanol knows this because I mentioned it a couple of months ago. Daniel in chapter 10 was flat on his face and, and he was defeated. He didn't feel like getting up. But Gabriel, the messenger angel, came to him and he said, Daniel, we heard your prayer. And I heard your prayer 21 days ago. But the prince of Persia, not the king of Persia, but the prince of Persia, which was a spiritual domain. It was spiritual authority. The principality and the power of Persia. The prince of Persia came to fight with us to stop us from getting to you. Do you understand that the spirit world listens to everything that comes out of your mouth and everything that you utter? Can I pause right now and say to every marriage in this place... Never say, let's just get a divorce. Never say, don't let that divorce word ever come out of your mouth. Because once you utter it, all the demons of hell say, oh, really? Is that a possibility in your spirit? Don't you let that word come out of your mouth. Let the letter C become, come before the letter D in your relationship. I'm committed. I'm committed. I'm committed. I'm, and you let that word come out of your mouth. And the devil says, really? You mean I'm going to mess your marriage up and you're still committed? I'm still committed. Come on, somebody. Help me in this house. Walk in your anointing. JC, JC, 
Hagen, Malachi, Emily, Callie. The same is true. The same is true with all of us who partied. Don't ever, listen to me, Bubba. Don't ever let those words come out of your mouth. Man, I just feel like going to smoke a joint again. Man, I just feel like going to do a little bit more. Man, you know, if I could just, just one hit. Mm-mm. Uh-uh. You utter that, and all of a sudden hell, hell sends some spirits to attach the old dealer. Hell sends some spirits, and that human being doesn't even know the spiritual activity that's going on. And all of a sudden that human being somewhere, you run into a human being that can offer you some drugs. Because you uttered it, uttered it, uttered it, uttered it. Can I get some help in this place right now? Don't say stuff like that. Don't let that stuff come out of your mouth. What you want to come out of your mouth is even on the worst day, the Holy Ghost inside of me is more powerful than any drug I ever did, more powerful than any alcohol I ever drank, more powerful than any. You got to let praise come out of that mouth. Don't let those negative things come out of your mouth toward attaches to demonic spirits, demonic spirits attached to a human being. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, Hell messes with your marriage. Hell messes with your family. Hell makes you mad at your parents. And then all of a sudden, some rebellious kid that's acting like he's got the Holy Ghost. And he can talk in tongues 24-7. Doesn't mean he's saved. Could be. There are, four, there are four types of tongues, one of which is a demonic tongue. It's a counterfeit. And all of a sudden, they show up in church and say, Dude, you're going to let your parents do that to you? Dude, your parents have so many rules. Dude, man, you need to move out. Dude, you need to, you, come on, man. And all of a sudden, man, the, the kid cops an attitude in the house. And it's like, mom, mom's typically the first one to pick up on that stuff. Dad's like, mm, we'll just let it ride and see what happens. All of a sudden, mom said, you know, something's wrong. Something's wrong. You know, you know how it is, man. You've worked all day long, and you're like, and you feel, damn, I need to talk to you. What is it, baby? She's not, she's not wanting to sit up front like she used to sit up front. She's not wanting to worship like she used to worship. And all of a sudden, you open up your eyes, and she's running around with somebody else. All of a sudden, she wants to go be friends with somebody she's never been friends with before. And you're going, what in the world is going on? And you try to talk to them, and it's like it hits a wall, and it slides down that wall. And they just look at you with that glassy-eyed look. Where's all that coming from? Somewhere at school, somewhere with some worldly friends, they let something slip out of their mouth. Hell heard it. Hell heard it. Attached their spirit to a human being that then comes into your life and says, Hey, Paris, come on. Uh-uh, don't you dare come with me. <laughs> hey, Paris, come on. And all of a sudden, could be 3 o'clock in the morning, Mama wakes up in the middle of the night and says, I feel something going on. Listen. Husbands, don't you shut your wife down at that moment. You tap into that intuition. It's a spiritual intuition that wives, moms have that, that nobody else in this world has. You better tap into it and get up and start praying like you've never prayed before and recognize, all right, Paris, we're going to turn the heat up on you, baby. We're going to pray like we've never prayed. We're going to make sure you're running around with the right people. Why? It's more than a relationship issue. It's a spiritual issue. And hell is not going to rip our young people off. God, I wish I had some help in this place. Come on, Calvary Pentecostal Church. Hell is not going to walk in and rip off our student ministry. Hell is not going to walk in and rip off our hyphen ministry. Hell is not going to walk in and rip off our singles ministry. That is an unclean spirit that's trying to lure you out. And your anointing, the anointing of God on you is greater. Probably got two more pages of notes on that. My throat's hurting right now. My lungs still aren't doing too good. Baby. Hey, you know what? When we're in the hospital room. Hey, so so this is this is this is awesome. You want to talk about two families pulling together? 
to make some powerful things happen the last week. I'm just telling you the truth. We were at the hospital. Eleni, Steph, Claudia, Manny, they were at the house. Manny was doing all kinds of stuff to help them. They had to order, they had to order a brand new bed uh, that, that, that inclines and then will, will decline for John Michael and, and all kinds of stuff. And Manny was there taking care of all of that. The girls were at the house watching Brielle for a little bit. We were at the and it was like we didn't even have to sit down and plan it. All the, all the family just kicked in together and just started working together. Very powerful thing. But, but when, when the girls walked into the hospital room and little Brielle, she started, she just looked right at Lenny. And she, Brielle's got this thing about her. Already, she hadn't even started talking, man. She can flirt with her eyes. It's crazy. It'll make you melt. And, she, and she'll make sure that she just locks in on you until you look at her. She did that to the student nurse today in the hospital <laughs> until the nurse would look at her. Three or four years. Brielle's going to get to the age, and probably sooner than that, she's going to start looking around and look at your worship. She's going to look at my worship. She's going to look at your. She's going to look at all of our worship. She's going to look at all of our worship, and she's going to look at our worship when we're in low times. She's going to look at our worship when we're in high times. She's going to look at our worship and everything, and she will mimic and mirror what we do. The other day I was looking at Crystal and Dylan. They sent me a video of Dolly. They started praising the Lord, put some praise and worship music on in their vehicle. And you know what Dolly was doing? Had her hands in the air. Had her hands in the air. Why is that? Because she comes to church and watches what you do. Watch. Walk. This is anointing. This is what we do. We walk in it. We walk in it. We walk in it. Listen, sometimes you come to the house of God, you don't feel like getting your hands up. It's really not about your feeling. It's somebody's watching you. The younger generation is watching you. And it's really important for those hands to go up in the air. Not so much for you, but somebody's watching you. And when they're going through the trial of their life, you don't want them with their hands down and backsliding. But you and I have to show them how to get through the trials of life. Those hands need to go up in the air. We may not be feeling an ounce of the Holy Ghost, but spiritual discipline says, I've got to do this because kids are watching me. Kids are watching me right now. Come on, moms and dads. You are anointed to worship on your worst day. You are anointed to worship when you're not feeling good. Bible said, you can stand if you'd like to stand with me. According to the book of Isaiah, scripture said that the anointing was to destroy some things, was to destroy yokes, not just break them, destroy them. So that they could never come together again and shackle you. The anointing of God is not for, maybe not primarily for us to just the praise and worship on a Sunday and we feel goosebumps. The anointing of God really kicks in when you get in your car and you're in the parking lot and reality settles back in on you. And you start the car and you put it in drive and you realize it's more than just driving a vehicle down the road. It's going back into some very challenging things in my personal life. And God, I can't do this on my own. I need to know that your anointing, please, if you've ever misunderstood the anointing, you thought that the anointing only comes on you on a Sunday or Wednesday when you're in the house of God to worship. That's a misnomer. That is absolutely not true. The anointing of God is on you 24-7. The anointing of God, when you received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. The anointing of God came upon your life, in your life, to operate 24-7. <clears throat> Jesus.
that how that work, Brother McLaughlin? You may disagree with what I'm about to say, but that's okay. When John Michael, he's an anointed man of God. And this is what the Apostle Paul said. There has been given to me a dispensation of the gospel. In other words, there's a timeline on all of us. There's a timeline on all of us. And in that timeline, there are specific divine assignments that we're supposed to accomplish through the anointing of God. And, and, and that's one of the reasons that we don't want to chase after wood, hay, and stubble, but we want to focus on gold, silver, and precious stone. Because at the, at the judgment seat of Christ, all of that will be burned up and wasted. And those that were really well, well off, well to do on earth are going to be very poor in heaven. But those that perhaps didn't have a whole lot, but they, but they invested in gold, silver, eternal things, they're going to have wealth and riches in the kingdom of God. And they'll be at a higher level. So this is the thing. God has so much more for my son to accomplish. And that was a very peaceful thing in my life through this whole situation because it, there was a moment there where it was very serious, like very serious. <clears throat> I was very concerned. And, <clears throat> and in this anointing, God anoints us. And so there is a protection that comes on our lives to the extent that it can look very practical and normal. But when you're walking in it, God just takes care of you. Case in point, he goes to care now. Care now does the x-ray and says, you need to go across the street right now to the hospital. This is an emergency. You're going to have to have surgery. He gets into the car. He and Gabby get into the car, and they go to Medical City right across the street. Well, <clears throat> when they show, no, it was at Care Now. When he showed his insurance card, this is practical life stuff, but the anointing that's 24-7. When he showed his insurance card, it was the old card when he was under my wife and I. But when he left the home, he got his own insurance. Well, they had the old insurance card. His right lung is totally collapsed, like it's borrowed time. And so she declined service to him and said, this card is inactive. And John Michael, he's a McLaughlin, okay? He looks at Gavin and he said, see, I knew I was wasting my time. I'm going home. It's, it's that male, I'll just take charge here. Like There's some things you just can't take charge with, <laughs> especially not that. And the woman stopped him and said, wait a minute, sir. He said, we just, we looked again, we see the new insurance card. He said, we, we recognize it, the, the Blue Cross Blue Shield, it's active. This is an old card that we had on file. Please come back. That's when they did the x-ray. If that woman would not have checked right then at that very split second, and he would have walked out. He probably would have gotten him to the hospital. I don't know, but, but we would have gotten him to the hospital. But here's what I'm saying. When the anointing of God is on your life, I'm trying to deal with somebody's spirit of fear that's on you. I'm trying to deal with a spirit of fear that's tried to attach itself to your life. And you have believed the lie of the enemy that says you are numbered. And you believe the lie of the enemy that says that the enemy's total in total control of your life. And you just, let me just tell you something right now. That spirit of fear, the anointing of God that destroys the yoke, needs to destroy the yoke of fear from you down to an insurance card that can look like it's not active. And all of a sudden, you say, well, it was just that woman. Say whatever you want to say. God's anointing is on John Michael. And I believe God moved on that woman to say, no, here, we just found this. And within a matter of an hour to an hour and a half, everything was done. And in a matter of days, today he's going home. Why is that? Because we have Calvary Espanol. Because there's many more souls that need to be saved through Calvary Espanol. I'm just saying. You believe what you want to believe. I believe God is in control of the church. I believe God's hand is on your life. If he did it for my son, he's going to do it for you. That spirit of fear, that spirit of fear that's making you walk around and wake up in the middle of the night with cold sweats, that's a lie. And we need that fear destroyed. 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 Are you ready? I want to ask you, if you've been battling fear, 
that's tormented you. To the, to the extent that you've lost focus of the anointing that's on your life. And tonight, this evening, we need God's anointing to come back on your life and totally destroy the fear. Things you're supposed to do in the ministry are not over. Things that you are supposed to accomplish in the ministry are not over. There's the reception of the anointing, the process of the anointing, and the divine outcomes of the anointing. Just because you're not experiencing the outcomes, maybe because you're in a process. Waiting is faster when you're anointed. Stay still. The outcomes will come out of your anointing when the process is done. I want you, I would invite you to step out of the pew right now. If you're battling that spirit of fear that has been tormenting you. To the younger generation, if you've had any suicidal thoughts, if you've had any gender confusion, and let's deal with this together. going to be destroyed it's going to be destroyed God's anointing is going to come on your life fear will knock on the door doesn't mean it's going to stop trying to torment it's going to knock on the door but what's going to happen you receive the Holy Ghost we baptize you in the name of Jesus I want to strongly encourage you to get in what we call our take root class because it's going to give you the fundamentals of Christian living and will equip you to really handle the battles but when that fear knocks on the door Instead of your old life or instead of you opening, let faith open the door. And your faith in Jesus Christ will stand at the threshold and look that fear in the eye and let faith come out of your mouth. Let faith answer the door. Not your fears, not the torment. Let faith answer the door and say, fear, what do you want? And fear is going to have to leave. It's not coming through the door of your house anymore. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. I want you to come up. I want you to come close. Aaron, Anna, would you please come close? I want you guys to come close. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Go ahead. We'll take our time here. We're not, in, we're not in a rush to get those who need to be up here. All of those who are battling this, please come forward closely. Thank you. Yes. Yes. God is going to help you today. God is going to do the Valentine. God is going to do the work. He started it a couple of Sundays ago. You're doing good, man. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. You're doing good, man. Let's keep going. You ready? I want you to listen to me. When we pray together, you will feel emotions. That's not what we're after right now. We're not here to work anything up. In fact, if you have to work it up, you probably stepped out of your anointing. We're going to just walk in this right now. Our volume does not mean we're more anointed. Our shaking someone does not mean that we're going to shake the anointing in them. We can simply walk right now in what we're experiencing. The power of God to set us free will come into us and come upon you. And he's going to give you peace. He's going to give you calm where that torment is, hon. Okay? This is what's going to, we're just going to walk in it together. We're going to walk in it together. I want you to lift your hands to heaven. And we're going to pray together. And the first thing that we want to do together is renounce the fear. Spirit of fear, you have tormented us long enough. We are anointed. We live under the headship of Jesus Christ. We are anointed by God. We are anointed by God. And we do not submit to your lies anymore. And the anointing of God on our life is about to destroy every yoke. And we know that everything is going to be okay. We know that everything is going to be okay. And we trust you, Jesus. We trust you, Jesus. In the name of the Lord, God, right now in Edward's life, we're trusting you. 
to destroy the yoke. In the name of Jesus. That's it, Calvary. If you're unable to get to the altar, but you really want prayer, please, where you're at, lift your hands high. Let the Holy Spirit of God come into your life. Let Him touch you. Let Him touch you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. God of heaven, we trust you and we believe you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, God of heaven, you are faithful. God of heaven, we trust you and believe you. In the name that is above every name, in the name that is above every name. Oh, break the yoke, Lord. Destroy the yoke, Lord. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to learn more or simply stay connected with the church,